we got to disrupt everything when we show up. Cause we got, we're not trying. Are we high? <laughs> okay. Okay, good, 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 good. Well, we're super blessed. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm uh, Pastor Paul Castaños uh, from New Hope Christian Center in Downey, California. And so I'm very blessed and honored to be here uh, this morning, especially uh, when we have guests, honored guests that are here. Uh, the famous Al Houghton's here, and super excited about that, and blessed. Uh, infamous, infamous. Larry's correcting me. Infamous Al Houghton, and so we're super, I'm super blessed to meet him, and heard so many wonderful things, and have been blessed by some of your teachings on uh, on the, uh, the live feed, and so super excited to be here. Um, we, we are, Victoria and I uh, are just always blessed to be here and come and share, and, and um, we have been pretty busy this summer. Uh, we just got back from a trip uh, to Chile, Santiago, Chile. We were there for 10 days. It had been 14 years since I had gone back. I had gone for a series of years. I was traveling in Venezuela and I was traveling in uh, Chile for about seven years consistently. And then it was about 14 years since I had gone back. And so this was an opportunity. They invited me to come back. They had been inviting me, but I just didn't feel released from the Lord to go back. And uh, the, the last time I went was with my kids. Uh, by the way, they all send their love, my sons and their significant others. Uh, and also, I have a, I'm about to be a papa. And so, uh, yeah, super excited about that. Uh, so Josh and Jess are expecting. And so that's going to be in February. And, uh, you know, for those of you that follow me on uh, Facebook, that, that's going to dominate my page, I'm sure. So uh, you guys be ready for that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I want to just show you a little video uh, of my son, Joseph, is really into videography and he likes to capture certain things. And so he took a moment to uh, videotape as well as to create this video to show our church of what they had invested in for us to go and do. And so I'd like to share that with you guys. So it had been 14 years since we had been there. And it was quite humbling because when you go back and you meet somebody, we went to, the, we went to a youth retreat the day we got there. We went to, um, we went to um, I mean, it was just, I preached maybe 11 times in 10 days. And so it was just back to back to back to back to back to back. And um, we had two days off, by the way. So I had two days off, so it was 11 times in, in 10 days. And when you get there and you meet the youth pastor of the retreat, and he tells you, you prophesied over me when I was 15 years old that I would be a pastor, and I'm the youth pastor now. And he says, I want to introduce you to my wife. And she was at the first retreat when she was 14. And you prophesied over her. And the Lord's been completing these words in her life. And you're just like, I don't even recognize your face. <laughs> and, and there's just this humbling that you just kind of like. Then I preached, we shared, Victoria and I shared at a, a marriage seminar. And there were, uh, there were people that came. There were, well, they, looked, they were adults. And they said, this is me when I was 15. You guys prayed for us. And would you now pray for our marriage? And they're in the marriage seminar. And we're just like, and this is our baby. Would you now bless our baby? And he's just kind of, yeah, we're, I'm getting old. Yes, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
but but the but the blessing of the generations is is it's overwhelming when you when you just do things in obedience to the Lord and you don't realize the the far-reaching impact that it has over the generations. I uh, got a chance to speak to their leadership and uh, be able to challenge them and pray for them and just awaken in them where are the Timothys and uh, for them to just kind of yeah you know just it's just a powerful powerful time. The, the picture of that couple that was on the side, that was my uncle. He was the bishop. He passed away uh, about six years ago. And then my, the, other, the, the gentleman that was doing the dance, that is the first dance that Victoria ever introduced in Chile. She taught it to a group of about 300 kids plus pastors. He was an associate pastor at the time. Now he's the bishop. And he told all his leaders, would you just stand up now? He goes, this is the first song Victoria ever taught on this land. And he started doing, he even, he knew the moves. He knew all the moves. And Victoria said, I don't even remember the moves. And she just, and um, he had all the, all his older pastors doing the move with him and moving. Thank you so much. And um, so we were just, it was just like this moment where like humbled, <laughs> humbled. <laughs> And just, just doing what God has called us to do. And so it was overwhelming. And so I, just so that you know, nothing you do for the Lord is in vain. Nothing. Amen. The Lord you can't even begin. You, you can't even begin to calculate how much God does when you're obedient. And, and just the far-reaching impact that it has on the generations. So it was a very blessed retreat, uh, trip for us. Especially because... Um, my sons were there. Uh, my my daughter-in-law was there. My possible future daughter-in-law. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know all the all the. And then I had my two worship leaders there. And you know just little things like I had my worship leaders release a sound over the older generation, and I'd start telling them, "This is the cry of the of the next generation," and they just wept. Old men weeping. Just saying, God, give us that harvest. Give us that. Give us that generation. So, just I want to share that with you guys. I just let you know that you guys are part of that. Uh, I, you know, I know you guys. Yeah, we're far away, but we're not. And so, every time I come to share, it's like I feel like I want to sit at the table with you guys and just share family stuff, and just say, Hey, listen, this is what's going on in the house. Okay. So, if you're new, forgive us. This is a family conversation, but you're welcome to listen. Okay. You're welcome to listen. All right, you guys ready? Here we go. <sighs> Just to like making an altar call, really. I want to share a few things with you guys real quick. And I want you guys to go with me to the book of Acts. And I want to, I want to take this in a, in a challenging way. I want you to go to Acts 2. I'm going to jump around a little bit in Acts, okay? And then I want to, I want to talk to you guys about some, some things. Acts 2, 42. And then I'm, I'm going to read, it says... 42, every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles, 
the hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. The apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body. They shared one with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily. Jump over to Acts 4, starting with verse 23. As soon as they were released from custody, Peter and John went to the other believers and explained all that had happened with the high priest and the elders. And when the believers heard this report, they raised their voices in unity and prayed, Lord Yahweh, you are Lord of all. You created the universe, the earth, the sky, the sea, and everything that is in them. And you spoke by, by the Holy Spirit through your servant David, our forefather, saying, How dare the nations plan a rebellion, ranting and raging against the Lord Most High? Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the kings of the earth take their stand with the rulers, scheming and conspiring together against God and his anointed Messiah. In fact, Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Jews and non-Jews, met together to take their stand against your holy servant, Jesus the Messiah. They did to him all that your purpose and will had determined, according to the destiny that uh, you had marked out for him. So now, Lord, listen to their threats to harm us, empower us as your servants, to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. At that moment, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building where they were to tremble. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. All believers were in one mind and heart. Selfishness was not a part of their community, for they shared everything they had with one another. The apostles gave powerful testimony about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great measure of grace rested upon them all. Some who owned houses or land sold them and bought, brought the proceeds before the apostles to distribute those to those without. Not a single person among them was needy. There's a lot here, and I, I'm... I'm I want to just unpack certain things about this because I want to really discuss some issues that are facing not only the church but our our country in this time. And and I, I, but I want to address the church, okay? I, I and I I've told you guys this. I don't speak politics. I don't preach politics. I preach Jesus and His kingdom. And so I want us to understand this. The Lord is, I've been wrestling with this quite a bit because one of the messages that I brought to my church that we talked about in the, in the book of Exodus, when, when the people of God sinned because Moses took too long. Impatience will cause you to grasp things that you're not supposed to grasp. And, and it's interesting because when you really start to think about this, they got impatient 
Because God was, God was speaking with Moses. You know, I grew up always hearing that the Lord was going to return. The Lord is 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 going to return. And now more than ever, I feel like the Lord is going to return. More than ever. However, it's very easy for you to go back to your routine when you kind of feel like, well, it hasn't happened yet, so I'm just going to go back to what I do. But in the case in Exodus, they got impatient. And when they got impatient, they went to Aaron, the priest. And they said, hey man, make us a god. Is it possible that the church could possibly make a god for people because they get impatient? Amen. Create a god so that they will appease the people because what they were anticipating has been taking too long. And we attach names to it. We attach causes to it because it's been taking too long. I want to see God move on the earth. It's taking too long. Church, give me something. Church at large, tell me something. Listen, I'm not here to speak against the church. I love the church. I love the bride of Christ. I, 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 have, I am determined to defend it. But we need to pay attention to this attitude, this disposition that sometimes is because of impatience, not because of it, it's, a, it's a heavenly mandate. And, I, and I'm struggling with this because what, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm wrestling with is that sometimes we want things because we want things to be better. We just want things to be better. See, the church, the church is to be that extension of Christ in time and space. We are to be counter-current to the pull of culture. Does that make sense? Jesus came in and messed everything up. Starting with the church. And we don't like that. And because we get impatient and we want to see miracles, signs, and wonders, miracles, signs. And I'm not saying that they, they happen every day. There are amazing things that happen every single day. But as a body, we have grown impatient. And we have attached ourselves to things that we're supposed to be countercultural to. See, when we stop and think about God's visitation on the earth, it was to create a resistance to the pull of culture. A resistance to the pull of the status quo that said, this is the only way you can get to God. And Jesus is now saying, you can have a personal relationship with me. That means personal responsibility. Quit blaming the church. It's so easy to blame the church because things aren't going good in your life. Folks, it's a personal relationship. And so all of a sudden, what happens is this. There's this pull, right, in modern life for power, money, ego, sex, racism, pride of life, nationalism. And we stamp Jesus' name on it. 
when that's not kingdom. That's not what He's called us to. There is a personal... We've been been trying to own something that doesn't belong to us. I'll get there, don't worry. See, we're, we're called to be known as strangers and foreign people of God. <laughs> Hebrews 11. These heroes all died still, clinging to their faith, not even receiving all that had been promised to them. But they saw beyond the horizon the fulfillment of their promises, gladly embraced it from afar. They lived their lives on earth as those who belong to another realm. We are clinging to this place. I'm not telling you God's not going to redeem the earth. God's not, uh, mentally, when you're not looking beyond, you're looking to the immediate, it is so easy to create this into an idol. And all of a sudden, everything in my life, all my ideology, all my policies, all my philosophies, all my, all my, all everything reinforces my rights. Well, I was, I was, uh, I'll never forget when I was a youth pastor, I took these, I took my youth, my whole youth group to this um, simulation of the, of the persecuted church. It was so fascinating. And they actually put the kids in a situation and they did things to simulate what the persecuted church goes through. And man, it was, it was, whew. and it, you know, they made you stand up and they made you do just you know, plank position, and, and, and they would, the minute you'd like start to want to talk to somebody, they'd cut you out. It was just, it was, it was a simulation. And every once in a while, right, you'd have somebody that's like, oh, I can't handle it. And they're like, come over and they say, hey, it's just a simulation. You're okay. You're all right. Okay? But this is what was so interesting to me. That while they were doing the simulation, the more it went on, this is the persecuted church, okay? They're, they're simulating it. There was one guy in particular, a pastor or one of the youth pastors, and he said, he said, he said, oh, we're going to pray. And he started praying. And the guards, the simulated guards come over and said, you, you can't pray. He goes, I know my rights. You can't take my rights. I'm an American. I can live. And they just pull him over the side and they say, buddy, this is a simulation. <laughs> but the passion for him to declare I'm an American. I have rights. You can't take away my rights. Nobody's saying that. The persecuted church has no rights. You get caught, you're dead. No fair trial. You you don't get to let your case be heard. And and, and when we had that realization, when I had that, when, when I was like sitting there going, my gosh, we so cling to Don't take my rights! When Jesus gave everything to make us rich. Why am I saying this? Okay, ready? Ready? Here we go. See, we have to be careful when we try to look to the church and look to, to the Holy Spirit to reinforce the values of our culture. We have to be careful with this. Because the church, the beginning of the church, was a small group of people that came to support each other for a whole new lifestyle. A whole new way of doing things. 
is it possible that the problem that we're having is we're trying to do the same thing and have God bless it and not want to change? So here comes Holy Spirit poured out in Acts 2. Boom! Everybody's like, whoa! Speaking in other tongues, speaking in other languages, totally upsets the apple cart. Boom! And they're like, what is this? And they, he, Peter gets up, he shares, they repent, they admit it, salvation. Whoa, hey, we need Jesus. We did this to him. We recognize my sins, put him on the cross. We, we did this. There's an acknowledgement of, of, of their self doing this. <laughs> and they said, what must we do to be saved? Peter tells them they repent. When they repent, all of a sudden, they get together. What do they have in common? Everything. But what does it start with? And it starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus. It started with repentance. It starts with, see, I want to be careful because this is not a, I'm not going to take an offering, okay? I'm not taking an offering so we can all, all have everything. Listen, listen, listen. When, when we read the scripture, sometimes people have a tendency to put the emphasis on, oh, people were just giving away their stuff, just giving away their stuff. Just no, no, no. This is, a, this is a mindset change that occurred. They thought they could get to God through their rituals, through the text. That's why the disciples didn't get it. They hung out with Jesus for 40 days. And he said, now you're going to restore the kingdom? Now you're going to do this? Now you're going to do it? And they said, hey, man, it's not for you to know. It's an appointed time. See, we all want blessing. We all want this. We all want that. Hurry up, Jesus. Hurry up. Hurry up. Hurry up. And it's because it's not hurrying. We ask the church, affirm my values. Affirm, affirm my ideology. Affirm my thought process. When the Holy Spirit came to change that. The Holy Spirit came to make you aware of His presence on the earth. Because the world wants to say He doesn't exist. Holy Spirit tells you, oh no, not only does He exist, He lives in me. And so when that begins to happen, your life begins to change out of relationship, not out of doctrine. I respect the Word of God. I study the Word of God. I respect the things. But listen to me. I hear His voice. And I respond to it. And the problem is that we are starting to create doctrine... To reinforce my comfortability. And when we do that, we allow ourselves to be put in a position where we don't even realize of what spirit we are. And so all of a sudden, here comes Holy Spirit. Boom! They realize and they say, man, I love you. I don't know why. You don't look like me. You don't talk like me. But I love you. Oh, man, what is it? Because we all need Jesus. And we all accepted Him. And then they start to have this fellowship together. And as they start to have this fellowship together... All of a sudden, a genuineness of their faith comes out, and, they, and, and, and generosity is a byproduct, okay? It's all of a sudden, there's this generous heart that comes out, and they're like, I don't, I don't need two cloaks. I don't need this much. And they begin to see where the need is, and they begin to bless people, okay? Then, in Acts 4, they get threatened, because they're just doing... Church business. They're just doing kingdom business, right? They're just doing kingdom business. They're walking around. Peter and John are going. To, they're, go, they're just walking. They're just doing kingdom business, and somebody gets healed. Who gets mad? The church. Thank you. The church gets mad. Was it authorized? Did you pray with the left or the right hand? 
Did you say, and did you say Father, Son, Holy Spirit? How, how, how did you do it? We want formula. We want formula. We want, we, we don't want relationship. We don't want relationship because when we have relationships, you have to be responsible for moments when nobody's looking. Oh, come on. Everybody wants to be on the altar and prophesy and everybody wants to do signs and wonders to show everybody, look how spiritual I am. Whoa. Check me out. Don't mess with me. When it's really about relationship. It's really about what you do when you're in the coffee shop, nobody's looking, and, and somebody treats you wrong, and how do you respond? When you're walking by somebody who probably doesn't deserve grace, according to how they look on the outside, but the Lord somehow stops you in your track and says, go and pray for that man. And you go, hey, he doesn't even look like he needs prayer. He's asleep. He doesn't want prayer. He doesn't need me. He does. This happens so much in the church because we, we miss opportunities. So what happens? A threat comes. i got to read this again because I want so you don't think I'm lying. Okay? Look, look, look at Acts 4. Go back to Acts 4. As soon as they were released from custody, Peter and John went to the other believers and explained what had happened. They were threatened. They were told, you guys do this, we're going to beat you again, and we're going to throw you back in jail. Right? And when the believers heard this, they raised their voices in unity and prayed. Okay, I know this is going to be controversial, okay? I know you're going to, if you got any angry emails, send them to Larry, okay? But listen. Please hear me, okay? When the threat came, they prayed. Before they raised the cause, before they started to, let's vote, they prayed. They didn't come up with a strategy. And do you hear what they say? Look, look, look what they pray. Look what they pray. They raise their voice and they pray and they say, Lord Yahweh, you are Lord of all. Not just, not Lord of the Republican Party. Not Lord of the, the conservative movement. Not Lord of the Democrats. Not Lord of, you're Lord of everything. They prayed. Ah, folks. They weren't praying. They weren't... There's that thing. You're Lord of one cause. See, this is what I really feel like the Lord's anointed me to, 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 to share. To bring us back to the, to the anointing of common sense. Because we have lost our, our minds. I see people get more worked up about a cause... Instead of praying, God, you're Lord of all. If you don't move, we're saying, oh Lord, take out those liberals. Oh Lord, take out this person. I have heard more people prophesy about Obama being an antichrist and, and having more heart to say, no, no, pray for our president now. Because he needs help. But when Obama was president, he was the antichrist for sure. I know, I know, I know be, be, be bothered. Because it's important. That same mercy we want to extend to this president, we're not extend, we didn't extend it to that president. Because he was a Muslim. Was he? We don't know. See, do you understand? When we pray, it changes our gaze to heaven. And not to what's on this earth. 
I, I, the, the, because we've gotten impatient, we've been saying, oh God, oh God, oh God, fix our stuff. Is it possible that the Lord has allowed this to, to show us ourselves? To, no, 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 no. Not, not, the, the world does what the world does. Politicians do what politicians do. I don't blame them. I blame us. Because they were persecuted, they finally got their gaze on him. Oh yeah, they were moving in power. No, no, no. Listen, how do we know this? Chapter 5. Why does God judge Ananias and Sapphira? Because they were stingy? Was it because of stinginess? It wasn't because of stinginess. It was because the purity of what God was doing was about to be tainted. And what happens is, they were all in one accord. They were all in one heart. They were all generous. They were all giving to a cause, to a realization. We're moving the kingdom. That person needs help. But it wasn't just for the church. It was, it was in relationship to God. I'm not anti-church. Listen to me. The church is important. We're the extension of Christ on the earth. But the problem is this. We're not all of one mind because some of us think this is more important. This is more important. This is more important. And we're not praying. We're complaining to God. We're, 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 God, clean the swamp. You created the universe. The earth, the sky, the sea, everything that is in them. And you spoke by your Holy Spirit through your servant David, our forefather, saying, how dare the nations plan a rebellion. You think God is worried? Hold on. About who's president? I mean, you think he's concerned? I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying just... There's a, a term in Spanish. Si Dios quiere. Like, throw it to the wind. Si Dios quiere. Si Dios quiere. Si Dios quiere. If God wants, if God wants, if God wants. I'm not saying that either. When is the church going to be firm and go, God, look at their threats. Now give us more boldness. And the place where they stood shook. We need a move of God to shake away the deception that is over us as a people that we're ineffectual when we pray. You know what? There's just people that are called intercession. I'm not. I'm just not. I fall asleep when I pray. But do it. Discipline yourself. Start praying. Start calling out for God to have mercy on the lost. Because while we're busy, uh, who sent me a pan sent me a book on the false justice? Thank you for that book. It just confirms so much of what I've been wrestling with. We get so distracted with so many different causes, we stop praying. We stop praying. And, 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 and we become comfortable with the idea that as long as I look like, <laughs> as long as it looks like a Christian nation, can we talk? Can we talk? I don't care how many policies get placed. I don't care how many righteous people get placed. I, yes, it makes a difference. Please, I'm not being cynical. What I'm telling you is this. We need a move of God. 
Your marriage needs a move of God. Your children need a move of God. They don't... You know, my son Joseph, when he, he grew up, we homeschooled him, we put him in a Christian school. When Joseph went to a secular university, his first year there, they had a big old group, freshman orientation. He's sitting there, they have a big old group. While they have the big old group, they sit there and they want to get to know each other. And he's in a group of about 20, 20 students. And they asked him, they say, oh, so Joseph, where did you go to school? Where did you do this? Where did you go? Oh, I went to a school called Valley Christian. They said, oh, you're a Christian. And he just looked at him, he was like, uh-huh. And so they just, man, they, they went, oh, you hate, you hate this, you hate that. He said, whoa, 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 slow down. You don't even know me. And so he started having these conversations with him, and they really attacked him. And so he called me, he texted me and Mama, and he said, hey, man, they're going hard at me. They're going super hard at me. I mean, they're going hard at me. So we, right then and there, Mama and I prayed. So I'm having all these second guesses. I'm thinking, oh, man, why did we put him in second? We should have put him in Christian school. We should have forced him into Christian school. But he wanted to play football. And uh, so he's just like, oh, man, okay. Uh. So we're praying, we're praying. So then it had been a week I hadn't seen him. When he comes, and I said, how are you doing? So he goes, man, I'm fantastic. I said, what do you mean? And he goes, they've been attacking me. But, man, I've had a conversation with a Muslim. I had a conversation with a uh, uh, somebody who's into um, um, Confucianism. Uh, all these religions started coming up to him and they say, how do you know God? And he had an opportunity to sit down with them and they would come to him in his dorm and say, can we talk to you? Like, you're so happy all the time. You're so full of confidence. Like, well, and he would, it's God in my life. And he would talk to them about God. And he, would, and he said the Holy Spirit would just download ideas on how to share with them the gospel. And he would start sharing it. Is it possible that God's letting some tension come so we'll start praying? So that all of a sudden we'll start looking to heaven and we stop, stop trying to Jesus beam us up and start being, Lord, let us be effective on the earth till you come. Help the church be the church. Lord, let people that come from the outside when they come into this place Feel this, feel this move. Yeah. They feel this move. Rocks their life. Rocks their family. Rocks their children. You know, as many testimonies as we had in Chile about people that said, you prophesied over our life and God has been blessing us and doing things. We had almost as many prophecy, uh, people come up to us and say, you prophesied over my life and I walked away from the Lord. And I said, well, how'd that go for you? And they said, terrible. And they said, I said, well, what are you doing here? And they said, we heard you guys were coming back and we wanted to talk to you. One guy in particular, it was interesting, he had been away from the Lord for 14 years. And when I got up to preach, I, 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 said, I started reading the scripture, but I said, okay, go to John 15, blah, 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 blah. And I started reading the scripture and then somebody from the audience said, that's Lucas, that's Luke 15. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. Well, that word must be for somebody, so take it home, read it, that's for you. And this guy who had walked away from the Lord came up to me. It was him. He had the date of the last time that I came. He said, Pastor Paul, John 15, and he had all his notes there. 
And he said, I started reading it during the service and the Lord started to break my heart again. I couldn't have set that up. That's Holy Spirit wanting to reach, touch. But let me tell you, there as many people as that receive the Word of God, are there going to be those that reject it? And, and part of it is, is because we're, we're, we're promoting this idea that God is going to just make your life fluffy. He's just going to make your life fluffy. And when, and when you fall, you're, you're, it's not going to hurt. And you won't get you won't get an ouchie. You know, I learned a lot from my sons. One time Joseph was came off the field, he looked at me straight in the eye. He's all Dad, can you pull this for me? And I was like, Pull what? He's coming off the field, his finger was this way. And I'm looking at him, I'm like, Boy And I pull his finger, I pull it straight, and he goes, Thanks, man. I said, Where are you going? He goes, I gotta get back in the game. How many Christians got a hangnail? And I say, Larry, I can't be at church today because, man, this is really could get infected. <laughs> can't shake nobody's hand because it could get infected. And I say, no, no, you're unclean. Yeah, 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 unclean. Yeah, there you go. Look, folks, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at the church. I'm, not, I'm just passionate about this. We need a move of God. It's not going to come through policies. It's not going to come through strategies. <laughs> it's going to come through prayer. And they overcame by the power, by the blood of the Lamb and the, and the word of their testimony. What's the word of your testimony? Jesus. Jesus is the word of my testimony. And we have to come to a place where we understand this. We need a move of God. You, you, I don't know if sound wrong. You don't need more church. You need to be church. You need to be church. You need to, everywhere you go, you need to be church. I messed it up. I'm not even going to finish. And the moment the earth shook beneath them, causing the building to be where they trembled, each one of them was filled. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they proclaimed the Word of God with unrestrained boldness. Each one of them was filled. Each quit acting like you're too old to be filled. Or you've been filled too many times and you're good. And Listen, I believe it with all my heart. This is a season where people need parents. They need grandparents. They need great-grandparents. They need somebody who loves them and prays for them. My grandmother used to be amazing. She would come in to services, she would see a young person, she would walk up to them and just go, you know, mijo, ven, 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 come, 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 come. And she would talk to them and she, they would say, oh, I don't speak Spanish. And she would say, that's okay. And her broken Spanish, she would say, I speak English. And she would start telling them, you need Jesus. That's all she would need. You need Jesus, mijo. Mijo, you need Jesus. Come here, come here. And they would say, no, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. No, you're not okay. Come here. And she would talk to them. And she would, and she would bring them. She would bring them. And I would say, oh, man, I, you know, being a youth pastor, I was like, ma. Ma, calmate, you know, just calm down, mom. Just, just, like, don't, don't scare them away. And before you know it, within two minutes, they're doing, I do need Jesus. I do need Jesus. It's because it's a grandma. It's a grandma's heart. It's an anointing that, that, that you have with age. Because you, you haven't, you may have lost your body, but you haven't lost your mind. Yeah? And not everybody over 60 said, Amen. I'm not looking at nobody. Don't worry. 
we, we need everybody in the house. And we need the generations to know. We're becoming so intentional in our church on reaching the next generation. We're becoming so intentional on, on equipping them to do and know why we do what we do. It's so important. I don't, I don't like for there to be anybody in the church that feels that they're not part of what we're doing. But I understand that there's people that walk away from it. That's fine. But we invite them. We want them to be part of it. And this morning, we really, it was interesting. When Victoria was feeling this song in her heart, we felt like this is a declaration. But we also, Victoria very strongly felt on her heart to include your church in this. And so, this song uh, that, we're, that Victoria is going to share is, is, is a declaration over this church. You guys sang it this morning. We didn't know you were going to sing it this morning. But, but, but it's a declaration over this church. And the fact that we're going to have part of your, your teams come in and be part of this, it just means that the Lord wants to release it to the next generation as well. So, I, I, how many of you are, are doing all right? Yes? Okay. Father, I just thank you for your love and your faithfulness. Lord, we declare and we know. Lord, we need to move. Lord, forgive us of our impatience. Our own thought process has caused us to reach for idols. For things that are not our security. Lord, there are things that are not our security. You are our security. You're the one who rescued us and saved us and reached us. Lord, it's by your grace that we're in this house. It's by your grace that we do what we do. Lord, remind us that we're here for you. Remind us that we're here for you and that our lives are not over. That we need a move. We desperately need a move. And we ask you to come in Jesus' name. I pray that you're blessed by this dance. So the song says, mountains are still being Yes, we. Sweet-